Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Pakistan Cricket Podcast. Episode 18, Pakistan Fans Forum, reviewing the 2022 T20I World Cup. Guest hosted by Faraz Qasim. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Pakistan Cricket Podcast. This is basically a therapy session for some of our fans and the listeners after the final of the T20 World Cup 2022, where Pakistan was in the end beaten by a brilliant England team. Well, we'd say brilliant to make ourselves feel better anyways, because if you say we were beaten by a better team, it always makes you feel better. But anyways, without wasting time, let's get into it. I will introduce our guests first. Uh, I can see Osama. Osama works with Hassan Chima as well on his YouTube show that's uh, called Show With No Name. It's very entertaining. He's a big cricket fan, very decent mind on cricket. So welcome, Osama. Uske baad we have Ali Said. Uh, when I introduce you, you guys can say hello. Osama, you can say hello. Hello, hello. Hello, everyone. Siddiqui is here. Ali Siddiqui uh, does not want to label himself as a Karachi, Karachi Kings fan, but he says he's a Karachi Kings supporter. So he's also a very ardent cricket fan. Um, yeah, if you're on Twitter, you may have heard his views. He has uh, a lot to say about cricket. So welcome, Ali. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay. Next, we have Hania. Hania, again, a uh, well-known name in the t- cricket Twitter fraternity now, and she's worked with Change of Pace, Quick Wick, and uh, she also is a podcaster. So welcome, Hania. Hello. And next is Alvina. Alvina has been, uh, I would say, another part of the cricket uh, Twitter family these days. She's worked with Kilari Sports Blog. She's worked with Crickwick Grassroots, and she is famous also for uh, holding up at that poster for Bisma Maruf. So welcome, Alvina. Hello. This is the last for now, because we had another one uh, who has dropped off, but... Uh, second last, and definitely not the least, is Kani Salar, whatever you may call him. He is one of the sane voices on Twitter among the whole noise. I always call him that. And Kani, uh, welcome. And uh, after that, we have Abdullah Ansari. The uh, Abdullah, I've never seen you before. I, I was saying before you dropped off that it's good to put a uh, face to the voice. Then uh, I always love hearing your your 
analysis on cricket. So I again I call you one of the most I would say no nonsense cricket analysts on Twitter and your writing I've always appreciated on grassroots as well. So welcome. Thank you for all very much appreciated. Likewise. Let's get into it. So um, it's dubbed as sort of a therapy session for all of the cricket fans. So I will start right off the bat with Osama. Osama was first in the room even before me. So uh, was, uh, maybe fittingly we should go with Osama first. Osama, it's been 24 hours almost. Well, more than that probably. feels like feels like it happened just now. But how are you feeling now? How are you coping with that defeat? Actually, the, the, the defeat has not. I would. I, it would be an understatement to say, but like, it it has hit hard, but not hit really hard because after the first innings, the sort of score we had on the board, I I I personally felt that they'll they'll chase it down easily. Or like I did not expect that we will take them to like the penultimate over of the game. So in terms of that, it was like a pretty hard foot win for England. And one or two things our way and the result might have been even different. So in terms of that, I feel like that it's it's one of the better World Cup final displays that we have put in comparison to some other performances in the past. But like, uh, there is also like that sinking feeling that we have missed another opportunity to win a World Cup trophy. So that that bit is going to sting for a while. It is going to sting for a while, but in terms of uh, being uh, a missed opportunity, that is uh, a fact. Yes, we have missed another opportunity, but a lot of uh, sane people on Twitter, I've, I've always put them as sane and insane. There's, there's, I would distinguish them very, very, you know, broad distinction is like sane fans and insane fans so sane people have been putting these things out the age bracket of the team the players and this is the golden generation and the age is on their side so so again missed opportunity but i'm sure there are going to be a lot more opportunities let's go to alvina alvina um before we started recording you did say that you're not having the best of time recovering from the defeat so let me ask you this though so Firstly, how many hours of sleep have you had since the defeat uh, in the final? And uh, again, so you're relatively younger, so I would say, how, what what's your coping mechanism for these things? I just try to block out everything. I'm not trying to think of the game. I think I've forgotten exact points of the game. Like, I'm trying to block out everything. But it's not helping because even when I tried to sleep last night, it came, the game kept coming, coming back to me and... I'm just trying to block out everything. I haven't talked about the game to anybody. I'm consciously avoiding all discussions, all to it related to the game. Um, so far, it hasn't helped because it still stings. Even though, like he said, I was prepared for it because, yeah, when you put up that 138 something, I knew it would be changed down. But after the game was done, it like actually sunk in that it has happened. We've lost another final. So... I'm still trying to come to terms with it, but I'm struggling. <laughs> it will it will happen, Alvina. Before the recording, I was telling you that um, me being older than you guys have seen probably a lot more than and carry a lot of these scars. It makes you battle hardened, and uh, being a Manchester United fan as well, you I mean, yeah, you you, you see highs, you see lows, and you you learn from them, and you you I don't know somehow become a more 
rounded sports fan, I would say. So, anyways, <laughs> let's go to Hania. Hania, uh, since so I've been observing you guys since you guys came on, uh, and I've been observing your faces. And Hania is is very poker face right now, and I've not been able to judge if she's really devastated or she's okay and she's just nonplussed. So, how are you doing? Capacity to feel anything at this point. Um, I mean, having watched the Asia Cup final live in Dubai Stadium had already scarred me from the inside because I thought we deserved that Asia Cup like anything. And my my journey in Asia Cup had been pretty unlucky because I went to watch the first India Pakistan game that Pakistan had lost. And then um, we miraculously came in the finals, and I went to watch the finals, and I was like, "Oh, it's Sri Lanka, man! We're gonna, we're gonna win!" And then turns out, fifty-eight for five. I'm celebrating. We're all so happy, and you know, Pakistan being Pakistan just <laughs> did something that would scar me for life. And then I was like, "Okay, the England series is coming up. We lost by a single match." Then I was like, okay, maybe all of this is really Kudrat ka nizam, and maybe Allah is working our way through to win the World Cup final and win the World Cup itself. And then the Pakistan Zimbabwe game happened. Um, for me, I think this is the best Pakistan team um, in a really long time, and they deserve to win this. And it was my first final in 13 years. I watched. Um, I haven't uh, watched. Uh, 2010 or 2009 even I started watching from 2011. So for me it was my first ever final and um, I was expecting us to win because I thought that now that we've you know defeated uh, South Africa and New Zealand pretty convincingly uh, we're gonna also go on to win the final. But that did not happen and there goes another another heartbreak and that is added to the list. So uh, for me, it has been pretty tough, but I think beyond anything, the sadness of losing a final um, was overpowered when I saw Shaheen leading the field. I think for me, that's when I lost the game, and that's when I—that's when my grief started. So yeah. No, that's very well put, and and and. Uh, oh, yeah, it's, too long. it's a therapy session. I just let it all out. <laughs> I I appreciate that. I will tell you the same thing I've been telling Alvina and others. It gets better. It gets better. You've only started now. It gets worse, but it gets better as well. So if you don't get the lows, you will never appreciate the highs. So, uh, talk, talking about highs, uh, I will go to Abdullah. Abdullah, as I said in the intro, is one of the most. I would say uh, straight, straightforward, no nonsense cricket observers I've seen. And Abdullah, uh, I will, I will not ask you the same question. I want to know from your analytical point of view, right? Uh, what I would say, firstly, do you think the toss was as crucial in final as you think it is? And I would say, if you, if I were to ask you, say three major points in the final, which you think could have gone differently and could have gone for Pakistan, how would you analyze it? Yeah, I think, first of all, I think we should also, like, um, it's important for us all to focus on the emotional aspect of the game because 
uh, however much we try to divorce ourselves from that aspect it's very much there so personally for me also shaheen's going off and potentially what we thought at that time suffering what could be a career threatening injury was the darkest moment of the match by far not the result nothing else but in terms of the result also i think um, seeing the way the team had uh, had they had had bounced back from the first two defeats there was a bit of feeling of almost inevitability that they will somehow win this so i think it was an interesting um, interesting thing for a pakistan fan to experience because in the past when we've gotten on these rolls like in 2009 and 2017 we did end up winning so maybe there's something in it to learn for us that now it's not so easy to just win on vibes and on qudrat ka nizam but you do also have to um, make the necessary changes do the necessary things the fine margins as they say so coming back to your question i think yeah the toss was important obviously i think babur also said that he preferred to chase and that's understandable considering the way this team is set up but at the same time uh, even considering that they had lost the toss and they were batting first i think that there were few things that they could have done differently that might have helped them first of all obviously the age old argument of the batting in the power play and how we approach innings at the top so i'd say that's one of the three points the second would be that the point when iftikhar came into bat with adil rashid bowling that was i think almost everyone has already probably spoken about that that not doing that could have uh, because that would have given us an option at the death as well and it would have ensured that the momentum we didn't lose the momentum in the way that we did and then with the ball um uh, it's it's harsh to say but probably i felt that another over after the power play from one of the main three seamers uh, could have uh, perhaps yielded a different result yeah that's i think that's my point yeah going going with the going with the question i would say pick out one thing from you what you said because uh, obviously all of us while the game is going on we're always uh, scrolling down twitter timelines and one thing that i saw across the board was uh, the entry point uh, the buzzword let's say we should have a bingo of the buzzwords these days the entry point of uh, if if the khair and shadab everybody was convinced that shadab should have been the one going in so uh, my my question is as fans like we are just i call us like casual couch but you know couch and sofa fans whatever you may call us we can see it and we can understand these things and we can and it turns out that it was the wrong decision how how, how do you think can you how do you, how do you put it you know maybe the think tank is not say as adventurous they don't see the data they're just going with the vibes only like how how can this oversight be accepted uh faraz bhai first of all to it's uh, it's at times it becomes a little tough to be critical because uh months on end right we've had discussions about your intangibles about the thought process to use floaters the low value wickets 
to maximize your players in positions where you sort of you know get maximum output from them right aap shadab ko upar bhejein he can do a little bit better against spin uh, is well not even arguably statistically proven to be your best hitter of spin so why wouldn't you put him in that position um and i struggle to be as critical i suppose as most people because uh, like over agar aap holistically dekhein over the last 6 to 8 months uh their this management given how rigid they are how stubborn they are they have oh, across asia cup across england series across even the new zealand tri series shown you in places that they are willing to experiment with that they are willing to kind of float people in positions that would suit them best um i just find sort of a little bit of fear or apprehension i guess you could say to do that in a bigger game in a world cup final as opposed to a bilateral or like a tri series game they'd feel a little bit more comfortable experimenting um i just thought from their point of view like if you wanted to play doubles advocate and wanted to justify it right like you'd think okay if he's been in wonderful form he's had uh, match changing 50s to a certain extent against india against south africa uh you want him to be able to face the most amount of deliveries uh from my point of view like i was absolutely fuming i can tell you at the screen when it happened um because like i think it's just those fine margins at the end of the day right up at the 11th over uh, we were chasing the game up till the 10th over because of a, a typically slow power play but we'll get into that as we go on uh but shan i thought uh the 11th over where he got 16 of livingston really like dealt them a proper blow and sort of turned the momentum over to our side right and at that point it was unfortunate that we lost babar at the very first delivery of adil rashid's 12th uh, but it was very important to kind of keep that momentum going right because you had england on the back foot they had to complete the fifth bowlers overs and those things but i just find uh, the management in bigger games is a little bit more hesitant to do things that they would otherwise do and in my mind i don't think it's not it's it's a not knowing i think they did know that sandy shadab would have been the right decision they were aware of his skill set against spin i just find that given the occasion for them uh, it was just a too big of a decision to make in the moment right and that sounds maybe a little bit more cutthroat to say uh, but just to kindly circle back to what tosam was talking about earlier in terms of heartbreaks and how we process it uh for the pakistan cricket fan across the last 12 months uh world cup t20 semi final last year in the uae asia cup final and then uh yesterday uh this is three in close to a 12 month period sirf jo major differentiation for me is why this is maybe you would say a little easier to digest in terms of the game proceedings is world cup uh, T20 semi-final. Uh, we put up what I thought was a defendable score, 176. You had them at 96 for five. You let the game go. Asia Cup final. Hania was just telling us she was at the ground. You had them at 58 for five, and they somehow ended up with 170, which is unforgivable in my eyes, right? If you have them on the ropes, but it is what it is. It happens. Baswak partnership lag jati hai and whatnot. Yesterday, however, at no point in the game did I feel we were ahead of them. right like at at certain points we were maybe at par but at no point did we get ahead of them in the game where we put them on the back foot right i mean you could argue potentially a couple of wickets the overs that nasim bowled had them sweating but i just never thought they were sort of ahead of us in that situation so just to kind of quickly sum up uh, the question that you asked um i i think 
in terms of processing it, uh, if you take the actual game situation into equation, the bare minimum for me was that you have a world-class bowling attack. Okay? Just give them something to bowl with, right? Like 137, if, in my eyes, is just kind of uh, just throwing them in there and kind of uh, situation. I just think even a 150, 155, you can bowl a couple of tight overs and keep it. So just that'll help us process over time. But I just thought uh, yesterday our whole batting unit was very unfair given the magnitude of the game to our bowling attack. And they still made a real fight of it. So that's something that you'd want to take a little bit of heart from. Taking heart is, yeah, the, uh, you know how I know you are a football fan as well. And you know how every after every every game, uh, there's, there's some cliched lines that come up. We'll take the positives and we're taking every game at a time. So we'll, 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 you know, we'll come to cliches later on, but those cliches sometimes are helpful as well. Talking about uh, cliches and, and uh, taking positives, uh, a Karachi fan. We'll, we won't talk about Karachi right now. I've tagged Karachi Kings. I, I tweeted about it if you can find it. I, this was the first time I actually uh, downloaded an app and edited an image. And I, I basically turned the Suicide Squad poster into the Karachi Kings new poster. So that's what it looks like, all the villains coming together. But anyways, let's not talk about Karachi. Let's talk about Pakistan. Ali, now... <laughs> Coming to the two things. Firstly, uh, I want to go back to the first question, and then the uh, the second one. First one is uh, how, because I know you. You told me you are also not in Pakistan; you are in states. And I don't know if you're with family or alone, but uh, what's the coping mechanism you have of and absorbing? Because again, we all absorb grief differently. So, firstly, how have you coped with it? And what was, according to you, the biggest uh, thing that didn't go in our favor yesterday? Um, well, I have a family here, but my family is not very into cricket. My wife was born and raised in America, so she doesn't understand cricket, neither the emotions that comes with it. So to her, it's just a game, which I tell her that it's not. But, you know, it's very hard to convey that. But I do have some friends who are new converts to Pakistan cricket fans. So I'm trying to get them along, have this sort of, you know, community going with me. But um, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's one of those things like, I know we have lost one semifinal, we have lost the Asia Cup final, we have lost the final. So it's, it hasn't gotten to that point, but it's coming to a point where you feel like, okay, we have a great team on paper. And in actuality, we do have a great team. But at some point, we do have to win tournaments to just to show on, you know, just to show that we were a great team. Cause like, you know, from 95 to like, from 90, even 92 to like, 2001, I would say, we had a great team on paper and we barely had anything to show for. So I don't want a repeat of that or a team from like, you know, from Imran Khan era, from like the 80s. We had a great team, but we only had like two, maybe three draw series resistances to show for it. So I do want something in history to say, hey, this was a great era of Pakistan white ball cricket and we had something to show for it. So it's gotten to a point where it's not frustrating yet, but I could see some less patient fans started to get frustrated. I said, like, is this really actually a good team? So I just want like a stamp of approval. Like, no, 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 this is a great dynasty. This is a great white ball team. And luckily we do have some, you know, majority of our players are young. So we still have a lot of time, but like, you know, come next ODI World Cup and the World Cup after that in Caribbean and USA, if you don't win one of them, then there will be a lot of question marks on like, you know, actual if actually this team is a good team. Um, and I forgot your second question, but I believe... 
That's okay. Let's uh, let's talk about this though. Okay, in terms of the golden generation, right? Mm -hmm. um, so uh, again, I talk often about uh, on Twitter and my Kani and these guys know my. I talk about my kids because they're my. They're basically my my cricket family. I mean, they, I watch game even. The final, um, um, one of my group friend groups, they were screening the final in a, in a basement with like 15 guys and with food and everything. And I was like, no, I'm going to watch it with my kids. So because we discuss cricket, we watch a lot of cricket together. They're crazy. They're probably bigger fans than I am. Because for South Africa game, I didn't even, I was so disappointed at the time. I didn't wake up for the South Africa game and they did and they watched it. I, did, I watched half of it. So anyways, so before the World Cup, I would say, say six months ago, a year ago, <clears throat> So being uh, being uh, uh, on the borderline of boomer uh, generation, I I talk a lot about '90s cricket, and so they so I used to they show them '90s team, and you know they used to talk. I used to talk, oh that team was so amazing, and we you have we had Saklan, we had you know Azhar Mahmood, Rasak, and all these things, right? So, but uh, and but before the India Pakistan game last World Cup. I told them that you know what, don't pin your hopes on the game. It's 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 like watching a movie, same movie over and over, and expecting a different ending because you know how it's going to end. But they told me before the India Pakistan game, they're like, Abu, maybe this is the new generation, and for us, it'll be a different story. And I said, maybe I hope so. And when they won against India last year, they said, Abu, you know what, this is going to be a different generation than yours. And that really hit me. I was like, you know what? I'm take, I'm looking at it from a really wrong perspective. This is the golden generation, not the 99 generation, not the 90s generation. This is the actual golden generation of our cricket era. And as Alvina and uh, Hania had earlier put as well, this is a team we are actually in love with, right? Mm -hmm. I, I've repeated it several times on Twitter as well that I've loved Pakistan cricket for all my life, but I'm first time I'm in love with lived the team literally. So yeah, you're right. This is a golden generation, and they will have the opportunity to actually show something for their efforts. I mean, uh, they have time on their side, but yeah, uh, Osama. <laughs> now, if the next now if looking at the team this year round right how they've performed we have had the power play issue we've had the strike we will get into that but if we may do you think again we're talking about the t20 world cup but do you think we with this current squad with obviously one or two players coming in do we have the capabilities uh to make the transition into the one day cricket mode which is coming up and the next world cup that is coming up one thing like I wanted to add to what uh, Abdullah Bhai said and what Kani said uh, regarding like the batting bit was, was that that even after the Iftikhar and Babar dismissal, I had still hope like when Shan and Shadab were batting, we were 118 for five by the 16th over. And in the past few months, whatever the situation is, especially batting first, we have been able to get a pass score like... If we almost get 150, 160 somehow, even in the India game, they were we were like on the brink and we sort of somehow got to 160. But what really disappointed me because I had no disappointment because I know that team management and the way they decision making has been happening. Sending Shadab would have been like a very out of the box thing for me. Like I would be surprised if they would have sent Shadab in at four. Uh, but what surprised me was that how 
we were careless, probably a little careless at the depth, because I thought that we would have batted with a little more gutsiness, I would say, at the depth, tried things a little different uh, to get to a pass score. Now, to your question about how can we make a transition from a good T20 side to a good ODI side, I feel like our bowling is sorted and our top order is sorted in the ODI side. Like, we've got Fakhar, Imam, and Baba at the top. Like, that's your top three. And all three of them are like prolific ODI batsmen. And you've got a set bowling attack, and you've got Shadab and Nawaz as the all rounders. Mm, and who can bowl Spain for the World Cups in India. So the rest of the bases are sort of, I have my doubts over Rizwan as the ODI player, although he's a great player, but like uh, at number four in ODIs, especially how the game is evolving, the modern game, you sort of need probably a little more dynamic guys in the middle order who can bat at a higher strike rate. So... That that's I feel like we have like in the middle order and the the low middle order is area we sort of have to focus in. But the question remains that we can how can we maximize the resources because we have Shadab and Nawaz who are good middle order batsmen. So like, are we going to learn anything from the T Twenty side? Probably realize that Shadab is a really good batsman and probably start taking him not just as a bowling all-rounder but as a proper all-rounder who bats equally as well and bowls equally as well so like even if he's not bowling he can play as a batsman proper batsman because what i feel is like shadab thinks like a batsman and bats like a batsman he's not like that instinct all-rounder who can bat in a bit and so like there are a lot of questions that need sorting out in with regards to the ODI side, especially the middle order, I would say. Alvina, um, again, you have probably not experienced that a lot, but in, in the past, what used to happen was when we come off uh, a World Cup campaign where we've not done well, well, we've relatively done quite well. But the trend used to be that the team will come back, there will be uh, basically a lot of players being rich distance from the team, some retirements, the captain changed, the coach being changed this time around. We don't see that happening, uh, thankfully. But do you see players in this squad? I won't name a left-hander. Kani will be triggered. But do you see names in this squad where somebody you think would be distanced from the team and would find it really hard to make it, make it back into the white ball side? I do think there will be names because I think there will be new names coming up, coming in like, obviously Harish has made his place. Fakhar is injured right now, but when Fakhar returns, somebody else has to make way. Right? Harish is not going anywhere. And then there's Heather and Khushdil on the bench. Um, I'm not sure what their plans with Khushdil are, but I do think they will keep him on the bench because uh, Baba does seem to have a belief in him that he will come through. And I also think because he has done it in the in PSL and SLD when he hasn't stepped up in he's right now. Uh, ODIs, so he has finished games games for us, so that's sorted. But for T20s, uh, also I think Azam might be way making way now um, in the coming years before the next T20 World Cup, and uh, I'm not sure they will uh, 
persist with Heather because they've given him chances and he's struggled, even though I want them to. But then again, there's too much competition for every spot. Like Harris came through in crunch moments, so he has cemented a place. I do see changes coming in, so some of them will have to work harder in PSL and prove themselves if they want to stay, even if they want to stay on the bench. Because like the competition is tough right now. Like the people who've come through in crunch moments will stay. Even though Sean uh, has done well in this tournament, but we do not need anchors, right? So we never needed him. But okay, thankfully he did well, right? He rescued us. So I, I'm not blaming him, but I do, but I do think they will persist with him. But that should not be the strategy going forward, right? We we're trying to get rid of anchors, and uh, but like, I don't think Sean should be there. I think we should be trying somebody else from the bench. But I think they will persist with Sean because he came through. Even if uh, it was like slow knocks, but the rest of the team wasn't stepping up, top order wasn't stepping up. So you can't really blame him. So yeah, I do think there'll be changes. Uh, some changes I'll appreciate and some I don't. In terms of Sean, right, from uh, my, my perspective is he... Um... It's somebody, he's just, uh, he provides, again, this is just from a fan sitting uh, from a distance. I think he, more than his batting, he provides, he adds a lot of value to being a sane head in the team. And the way his whole persona is, I, I don't know, again, it's a fan's perspective from outside. Abdullah, uh, from your perspective, when I say, when I say uh, heads being rolled and changes being made, do you see any acts coming down and any big names, any big changes coming through, or do you think we're going to persist with the same? Uh, I I don't think there will be any major changes. Uh, first of all, the I know a lot of people want a change of the captain, but I think that un unless Babur makes that decision himself, I don't think that will happen. The only change that I think we can see happening relatively soon is uh, in the coaching staff because I, I think Sakhain Mushtaq's contract expires in February. So maybe there will be some changes in that aspect. Maybe the chairman has changed his views from that short-term coach who doesn't really matter to realizing the importance of the coach a bit more. In terms of the players, I don't think there will be any major changes. I do think that continuing with the likes of Iftihar and Sean, who are probably not going to be at their peak when the next World Cup come along and neither do they particularly suit the conditions, I think that would be a mistake, but that's just a personal thing. I don't think that there will be any uh, major changes as such. And that's fair enough, but they have to, I think personally that we have to find a way to balance our strategies a little bit better. Like it's fine to have a conservative batting strategy, but it's also important to understand where that can go wrong. Like, um, you know, if, if we go back to the India game that where Iftikhar made the 50, then Okay, he made the 50, but he took on India's two finger spinners and hit them for sixes. So that does not necessarily mean that he's going to be able to hit leg spin, which he has historically struggled against a lot more than finger spin. And similarly, Shadab batted well at the death against South Africa, but that 
he hit a couple of full tosses from Nokia for six, and that was a much smaller ground as well. So death hitting is not necessarily a strength. So making these like viewing these um, players in these specific roles, like using Iftihar to hit spin and Shadab to hit at the death, that was probably a mistake that could have been avoided if um, we were a little bolder with our strategies. So I, I just hope something happens to make us think of these things more going forward, I would say. Being uh, from just of what you what you said, I, I do take the point that we have to be more proactive, right? And we uh, in terms of Shadab and Osama and all these guys mentioned earlier, which are which uh, one thing that didn't make sense to me was um, I said it on Twitter spaces as well. This how we didn't learn. Um, you all uh, I've seen a theme from all of you, Osama and all these guys have mentioned as well is learning from mistakes, right? So with the mistakes we made in the India game where we were going uh, cross-batted on a big field where basically sides were a little higher, bigger, and we did the same mistakes again going cross-batted in this game. So again, being proactive, learning from the mistakes, those are the key words. In terms of learning from mistakes, uh, Hania, let's, let's talk about that. So do you what mistakes do you think we, our team should be learning from uh, moving forward again, I'm doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result is obviously the definition of insanity. So if you, what changes, like what things we should be learning, mistakes are not made again. I think uh, PCB has been very clear when it comes to uh, the content that they put out. And whether we're winning or whether we're losing, I think they kind of do put those dressing room insights where the coaches and the captain speaks to the players. And um, for me, I think the message has been the same throughout. Whether we lost against uh, Australia last year in the semifinal, the dressing room talk was the same. That, you know, we're going to learn from our mistakes and we're going to do this. And, you know, the vague comments that kind of is being put out everywhere. Then uh, we lost against India. Again, a dressing room video came out, and it was a similar vibe. Um, I, I don't think so. They, yeah, they did, actually. Matthew Hayden actually um, spoke to the players again. And, you know, I feel like more than anything, it, it has a lot to do with coaching. Um, I'm going to speak about Babur as a batsman before I speak about him as a captain. I feel like he was a lot more aggressive when he was under Mickey Arthur or when he was even under Misbah, I would say. But I feel like um, there was criticism where he did say Haris that, you know, Lamba leke jau. So I'm speaking in Urdu, but this is what he said. That, you know, you have to uh, take it to the end and, you know, stretch yourself. And I don't think so. That is really how you play T20 now. I think it's about creating an impact. And if you create that impactful innings and if you get dismissed, I think you've done your job. And I think this is where we're lacking. I think this is the kind of messaging that we're putting out there. I think they just need to tell the, uh, the players that, you know what, we're putting confidence in you. Just go and play your natural game. And I feel like Sean is doing that pretty well. I mean, he is, obviously, when it comes to T20s, his method is not the most likable. But then that is his natural game. And more than anyone, I think Babar himself, Sakhler needs to sit with Babar himself and tell him that these are the do's and these are the don'ts. You know, and 
with every game analyze it there is so much data there is everything like you know um i'm sorry i'm comparing it with cricket australia but i was watching the documentary okay maybe things can be uh, done for dramatization but they look at each and everything every data i'm not saying they they might not be doing that but i think they need to be a bit more current a bit more modern with their with their methods and babar needs to be a bit more proactive himself listen to saplan i'm not saying he's he's doing any wrong or anything but it's just very repetitive it's just very monotonous look at the game analyze the game and then see what you've done wrong i think that will help and i feel like it's high time that uh, we take a step when it comes to our coaching staff i really do think we need someone like mickey arthur back to put that confidence in babar see uh, where we will put so see in terms of data uh, analysis right so uh, just as an example so we we play a league over here and uh, we have a data analyst in our team so his name is faraz also coincidentally so he at the end of the season he took out the data from the website and he came up with such crazy numbers and crazy comparisons that we had no understanding of in previously and and, and it was so helpful for us and i was like if this thing can be provided for uh, you know a, a so called gully cricket sort of a level team what information they have but uh, i would say we you know the videos you talked about most likely i mean we see just you know the things they want us to see i'm sure they have people working on the background where they look at data they look at analytics but putting them into action i would say is probably a problem the other thing you said i would pick out from that is uh, say the haris and shan debate and the kani what i think the one of the biggest problem we have discussed this on twitter as well one of the biggest problem from my understanding the team struggles from is again it comes from the top and like uh, is the definition of roles right we talk about haris being an impact player we talk about shan being uh, you know an anchor and um, uh, in terms of bowling and everything so do you think there's a lack of definition clear definition of roles like everybody's trying to do everything like if we have clear distinction of what your role is the team would perform a little better yeah, i think to a certain extent that's a fair fair comment um i just think there's some hard facts that uh, aren't easy to accept but at some point we'll have to acknowledge uh, the fact of the matter is going into the tournament our think tank did not know what would be our their best possible 11 right for these specific conditions uh, everybody in their and their best friend uh, i think a couple of weeks before the world cup was telling you in australia to be sustainable uh, because of the limitations we'll have with the left arm spinner being your fifth bowling option you will need the extra seamer right so on that uh, you could tell there was a hesitancy because they've had a sort of a settled balance whether they've played in the UAE whether they've played in Pakistan uh, whether they played in New Zealand and New Zealand series i guess maybe there were injuries you don't want to be too harsh on that but generally speaking they felt very comfortable with the three seamer two spinner balance uh, and i think they mentally sort of prepared themselves that it would take a hardcore defeat or something really to shake their core and make them switch from that kind of balance right so that compromise obviously had to happen after the india game because people were like okay we're livid like how many times in critical situations will you have nawaz bowling the last over just barely because you don't have an option and sure when you've come onto the field with that playing 11 that seems like the right decision because you want to bowl out your better bowlers first and then you want to leave a little bit of a safety net for nawaz whether that's 16 18 20 whatever it is but the fact of the matter is that is 
in in the moment that's still the right plan to go with right but that's you're only put into that position because your playing 11 didn't give you the freedom to have uh, the luxury of an extra option so i think that it's kind of those little things um when i talk when we talk about being stubborn or being too rigid in their own sort of line of thinking that they're not as easily willing to adapt to their surroundings right or the, the conditions that they sort of play in um i know sama at some point will bring up uh how fahim ashraf was uh, eradicated from the white ball scene for the lack of a better way of saying it uh, and how okay i mean to a certain extent there's merit to say wasim junior with his bowling skill side with his reverse swinging yorkers and what not uh he brings a certain amount of value right but i think uh they've picked him as the quote unquote all rounder and uh that for me in itself is a sort of a massive blunder because it's purely based on potential um i have, personally i have serious reservations over mohammed wasim's batting skills and his batting performances uh and i think this has been sort of factually proven like statistically speaking even if you go back to the zimbabwe game at 43 for 39 a lot of people will point out the shot that shadab played that apparently showed a lack of game awareness but rarely will you hear anybody saying mohammed wasim ended up with 12 of 13 unbeaten in that innings right of that 12 one of them was a top edge that went over the keeper one was a slower ball that he smashed past bowler down the ground he played seven dot balls between the 16th and the 20th over so that's 1.1 overs of dot balls in the last four overs which we don't want to use the words criminal but when you're chasing 43 of 39 all it takes is just if you're not able to smash it over mid wicket just get bat on ball get to the other end right it boils down to that yesterday uh he ended up with four of eight you will remember of that four three came from an overthrow uh that chris jordan generally see gave us uh generally see gave him a uh, pass mid on and he still ended up with a whole over six dot balls in those eight and that's one over towards the end uh in your last three overs where you were hoping to get at least you know 10 and over get 30 35 get to a par score just minimum get to 150 155 just have something ek wo cushion kehte hai na for your bowlers to be able to if somebody gives you a bad over like for example right like uh, shine's injury happened you brought if the in made sense two left handers favorable match up you can't blame bower for that in the moment right decision but had you had a little bit more of a cushion like another 10 15 run cushion those kind of decisions are easier to digest because a bad over means you can still come back right because you have that sort of luxury so i just think in terms of decision making we talk a lot about rigidity and stubbornness in a sense and being set in their ways um and i think hanya spoke about being modern in their process right like uh, adapting data adapting the low value wickets things that we see a lot of white ball teams that have changed their system teams like england have brought into their uh, play even a team like south africa sort of brought that into their play i just think it's the line of thought also needs a bit of a i don't like using the word software update but <laughs> if that's if clarity that's, clarity yeah, clarity in that sense so i think there's a lot to say for that right because on pure potential uh, you brought in wasim junior as an all-rounder um, and i think he's been to his credit he's been pretty decent with the ball like he stood up with the expectation that's given of him but as far as the dot ball percentage just goes and i don't mean to sound condescending but i don't think either of shaheen haris or nasim 
would ever consume as many dot balls as he had in this tournament. Fact of the matter is, the South Africa game, we were 43 for four. We ended up with 185. I'd call it a blessing in disguise that Vasim Jr. got out of his very first ball. Like he got a golden duck that game. Harris and Asim came in uh, and added almost, I think, 10, 11 runs <laughs> and keep kept running. Like just made sure they got above that 180. And I, I hate to sound too critical, but I just don't think there's enough numbers. There's enough of that meets the naked eye test to qualify him as an all-rounder. And for Azbe, I know you personally have a very soft spot for Vasim Jr. Uh, so it might be a little hard to hear, but I just think if you were to play him, that, that, that's perfectly fine. Then keep him on the same pedestal as Shaheen Naseem Harris and maybe bat him at 10. Right When Islamabad United sent Hassan Ali ahead of him in the PSL, we had people calling out. And to a certain extent, fair enough that if you have somebody labeled as an all-rounder, why do you have quote unquote tail enders going above him. Now you see some merit behind those decisions. Right. So can I add a few things? Yeah. Jude Sama, go ahead. Uh, like yeah. One the thing that everybody's talking about clarity and defining of roles. I feel like clarity comes in when you have a clear philosophy in front of you. And I feel like Pakistan's white ball setup does not have a clear philosophy of where it wants to take direction in like because throughout the 90s and the early 2000s you had like that match winner philosophy in your system which was basically that you had a team full of match winners and someone will come in and win your game on his individual brilliance and that sort of thing continued but it sort of went away after like the 2009 and 2010 squads uh, when they sort of went those players went away and then you had that downfall of Pakistan's white ball fortunes, and those were like dark years. And then after 2016 or 2017, you had sort of a revival, and the, with the PSL coming in and this generation sort of becoming a bit, bit more modern. But now, like we are at that point, even after the last World Cup, we were at those crossroads where we had to decide like what sort of philosophy. I think so. Barber needs to get the clarities in mind that what sort of cricket that he, he wants his side to be remembered for. Like, England took a strategic decision in 2015 that we are going to play the Brendan McCullum side of cricket, like attack, 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 and just and back our players. And, and the modern cricket is sort of going in that direction. So, like, the question that Barber has going forward, and even I would say in the build-up to the World Cup, why we had such strategic errors, such as, like, not, not having a bowling, fast bowling all around in the squad was basically due to that uh, there was no philosophy in how Pakistan wants to play T20 and ODI cricket. And that reason brings in lack of clarity. And when you have lack of clarity, then you cannot assign people specific roles. So like now it's sort of the thing that where you have got to put in that philosophy that that's how you want to play. And for that philosophy, we need this sort of players in our side. And then you pick an 11 or pick a squad of 15. And then you have uh, you may have to drop how big a superstar or whoever it is. Then you can drop him and say that because this is our philosophy, you're going to follow it. And we need this sort of guys. We don't need this sort of guys. When you don't have a clear philosophy, then you are in that ambiguity of like whether we can pick this guy or we can pick that guy. And that's, I feel like, is the center core of Pakistan's 
T20 side and wide ball side problem at the moment. Yes, uh, yes, I I completely agree with you. Just with what Kani said and what you said is clarity of mind and clarity of philosophy. And unless you have that, you would not have. I mean, the ability to provide specific roles. And uh, um, Ali, I wanted to come to you. I just wanted to add this as well. <clears throat> I think Hania uh, or Lina, uh, one of those, one of them mentioned it that you know where uh, the Nawaz over as well. Kani mentioned as well the Nawaz that we were in a situation where we had to bowl Nawaz. When we when we talk about learning from past mistakes, we had that same problem um, in uh, Asia Cup where we had to bowl Nawaz in the last over against India, and we ended up in the same position against India. So again, uh, learning from mistakes. Is something we're not seeing, but and uh, clarity of roles. But anything you else you wanted to add on these or anything yeah. else from your side? I wanted, yeah, I've I'm, I've been watching, like you know, listening to spaces and like reading comments and whatnot. So I, I feel like as fans, do we really want an English philosophy, um, being employed in our cricket team? Like you know, I remember in 2015 they used to play James, um, you know, Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad, Steve Finn, and there was another bowler. I'm forgetting his name. They had three, four fast, pure fast bowlers, which they dropped to bring in more all-rounders. So if we were to do that, would people be happy with, you know, dropping two of Shaheen, Nassim, or Hadis Rahul? Because to be honest, I don't know how much you guys value their batting, but if Chris Wokes is coming in at 10 for England, we don't have that strong of a number 10 in our batting lineup. So we would have to drop some bowlers. We would have to drop some of our favorite stylish batsmen to have those kind of batsmen. And I don't think we have the resources as of yet. You may have Harris, but like if you look at domestic cricket, maybe Sayyam Ayub, maybe like, you know, here and there, Azam Khan, you can say, but like the talent pool for that kind of approach is kind of shallow in my opinion. So, and also to add to the fact, like, you know, does, should everyone play like England? And if everybody does, then what's the point of like, you know, having different teams than just like, you know, if you're following the same framework. I don't, I don't want our team to be like England. I want our team to be. Pakistani. We want to have our strong bowling lineup. We want to have like, you know, you can improve a little bit of batting, but I think our focus should be like pure four fast bowlers or three fast bowlers and have two spinners. So if you have that, then you have to sacrifice some sort of batting depth in your batting lineup. And I feel like my, our conservative approach does come from that fact that we don't have that much of a batting depth, even if we have, you know, um, if, even, if we, even if you have like six harasses, we won't have that much of a score if you only have batting up until number six, number seven. See, so, see the thing about the thing about a prayer, taking the approach from from England is, I mean, we've we've adopted their education system, their government system, <laughs> their uh, you know constitution system. Everything we've adopted from them. What's the harm in adopting? If anything, that's that's good. We we're, there's no harm in adopting it, right? And and uh, talk talking about ruthlessness and the the talent pool, Abdullah. Uh, in terms of the, I know you have a very keen eye on on Pakistan cricket. So, in terms of when uh, Ali brought up a good point about the the talent pool, you make the best of the talent pool you have. So, looking at what we have available, uh, is there somebody we are missing? We should be having here. Is somebody you see that fits right into that Owen Morgan uh, sort of uh, no nonsense cricket? Yeah, I think uh, that was a. Uh like a good point and that you have to your playing style does not have to necessarily ide identify in the same way as another team does you do not just 
copy paste other teams uh, styles you adapt your style according to the modern day cricket but you keep the obviously the foremost consideration is your resources so i don't think that i i think that uh, the players who were selected for this world cup were all selected uh, i mean this selection was completely fine and i don't think that you can make a strong argument for any player who has been left out because anyone who has been left out there's reason for it and anyone who has not been selected there's reason for it so yesterday in a space uh, in a twitter space i went and one of a very famous journalists i'd rather not name him right now suggested that we're missing kamran gulam in our t20 middle order so kamran gulam now everyone saw how he performed in psl like he was good decent you can say and then he went to the national t20 cup and he averaged 22 at a strike rate of 118 over there so that's not what we're missing in the middle order so the point is right that we do not have the personnel to play the england way and it's not necessary either with a bowling attack uh, like you do not need to uh, if you if you're planning to play the england way with pakistan's bowling attack what are you trying to do are you trying to win games by 200 runs or something because then your bowling is already so strong and you're trying to blast your way to 200 i don't think that that's required at all i think you just need to play smart cricket and adapt be a little bit less conservative with your approach like um the point about repeatedly sending iftihar up the order that may have conservatively looked like a good option because uh, because you're uh, you're giving your uh, quote unquote proper batsman more balls to face but if you think of it logically that's that's the totally wrong approach because shadab is the better player of spin and iftihar is the better death hitter so it's just a matter of playing the percentages and just trusting the data a little bit more perhaps than what it is like they do have trust in data clearly if they're promoting shadab and nawaz up the order like they did in uh, the asia cup uh, and occasionally in the new zealand series as well but when push came to shove on the bigger stage as we already dis- discussed earlier they weren't willing to continue with that strategy and they went with the conser- the conservative option of okay we know iftihar is a proper batsman and that's why we'll go with him in that situation but in terms of percentages that was not the best option now going forward to the next world cup in west indies obviously we're going to have some more options by then i think the likes of saim ayub will probably come through uh, azam khan will be an option cons- especially considering his experience in the cpl so you have a couple of years to work on his fitness and whatever other criteria he doesn't meet khushdil shah and asif ali find they struggled here because they are not so good uh, or khushdil's confidence was of, of course gone and asif is not good at all against shorter bowling but in west indies again the conditions play a major role uh, here shan was a really good option because he's a good player of short bowling but he's not necessarily going to be a good option in west indies because there you have a lot of slower bowling to contend with you have to do things a lot differently and even on a in in terms of the games the, during this tournament i think that 
based on the conditions and the grounds that we played in we could have adapted a little bit better so i just think that a, bra- a little bit of more bravery and less conservatism in that sense that you just back your true batsman just because he identifies as a true batsman and the other guys an all-rounder so you put him down the order just these little things can make a big difference because cricket is a game of very small margins and small margins can really make a big difference in my view so i i have a i have a quick question if it, if somebody can chime in on that do you think we, when we were batting for we were going for the par score of 160 or were we trying to overachieve and like you know give more of a cushion to our bowling and that's why we ended up being short good kavi sama uh, alvina anybody buddy Yeah so if I'll just sort of circle we were going for a par score Yeah sorry Alvin go ahead so I just want you sir I think we were going for a par score like the way we began the power play and all um the New Zealand game right we did the power play well we had intent there either to we also what happened right I think we were going for the par score that's why we felt short and then when we realized we might be struggling to get to the par score we tried to overachieve like it did not work out Uh, Faraz bhai i just had a quick question a uh, quick point uh, on the ideologies bit that usama was referring to if we can just kind of quickly circle back to that um i just think talking about philosophies and ideologies with this think tank uh, not to sound too critical but might be giving them a little too much credit um i think they are sort of built on the basis of a formula right like what comes across as a successful formula uh for the naked eye i think batting first consistently has been a bit of an achilles heel for us because you take typically the first 2 to 3 4 overs to kind of gauge what is a reasonable target on that surface whether that's a 160 whether that's a 180 and then the symbiotic relationship between babar and iswan that god forbid if one of them falls the other has to go to the end of time you know that's just sort of a an understanding that they have more than that i just think uh the sort of successful formula that the team mindset is built on right is around in and around that 150 to 160 zone right which more or less in most grounds and most conditions is considered a par score um at the end of the day i think if you go far back to even 2020 you can count on your fingers the amount of times pakistan's batted first in t20 crickets and gone above par score sure some people will recount the 232 against england in england where uh, uh babar went at 85 or 47 probably something that maybe uh, the, the next generation will be able to see in t20 cricket um the shadab is knock here in this world cup that took us to 185 which i think was above par on that surface but at the end of the day the reality is even in that game we were 43 for 4 right shadab played in innings that he was in my eyes i i don't i i hesitate calling it a once in a lifetime innings because i want to see a lot more of that from shadab but let's say once in every 10 or or three times out of 10 times shadab will pull that off something like a 50 of 21 22 that takes you above par right that takes you into that 180 185 zone otherwise the thought process is always built on get us to 150 155 anything beyond that with our bowling is a bonus which is why yesterday it was insanely disappointing that the think tank wasn't like then reassess their target in a sense right the question that ali sort of posed earlier um to say that the first target is let's just get to 150 anything we get beyond that is a bonus right so then your main players your shan masood your nawaz 
they wouldn't try to beef uh, an 83 meter boundary at the MCG. Right? They would ideally want to get a single double, get eight and over, ten and over, get to the minimum 150, whether you're in the 18th over, and then start swinging like there's no tomorrow. So I think that's something of a think tank uh, formula sort of kind of defeating itself. It, the same thing, right? if you are chasing with Pakistan's think tank, more often than not, you will have the other other team sort of just at par or just below par, right? You'd probably wrap up England somewhere between 140 and 160. And then you back your batting side with their set formula of how they approach the power play, how they approach the middle overs. By the 18th over, they'll probably chase that down for you. So I just think what was so infuriating yesterday is the the what the formula is built on, right? For those conditions... This is what we've prepared for over the last two years. And to not sort of bring that up at the biggest stage is, is a little upsetting because uh, even had they just gotten to that minimum 150, 155, then like I said earlier, your bowling would have had something to kind of look England in the eye to eye and, you know, have something to fight with. So that that's the disappointing. No, that's very well put, uh, Kani. And uh, just we have about 10 minutes to go uh, before we wrap up. Um, because yeah, we don't because this is going to be going out as a former podcast, and I don't, yeah, we want people to listen to us uh, when they see a two-hour podcast. I don't think people will be listening to it. So we'll uh, wrap up in ten minutes. Uh, uh, Osama, so, you, so, you, so, so regarding yeah, you, the like the, the yeah, philosophy, like I didn't mean that we need to copy to copy England, or I know we don't have the resources, but like we need to at least have clarity in mind because uh, what. The problem right now is that bar average power play score for Pakistan in the past few years has been like 42 or 43 runs. And we know that Barber and Yuzwar are good enough players that they can easily do that. Take that to 55, that average score. You need to hit two or three more boundaries. But that clarity does not exist because that con- conservatism has so much been instilled in them. And even now we are talking about that our batting just needs to get to the par score. Like, I know the bowling's good, but like, it's like sort of already a very, you're getting into a battle with a defeatist mindset if you are just still looking at the par. Not talking about the final, but in a journal, like, sense of the game that you want to play over a longer period of time, that you don't want to be always looking to score par because you obviously want to get better scores. Uh, relatively. And uh, one of the other things is that we are talking about that if we had gotten to the pass score, I am sure that if we had scored 150 or 160, England would have come even harder at us. So, like, it's relative to the runs that they had to chase. So, like, we cannot certainly say that if we had even gotten to 150. I know it might have made a game, but eight out of ten. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Hania, you, you wanted to add something moving forward. But yeah, I just to at that point, I agree with that, uh, Osama, completely. But if we had more runs on the board, they would have come harder at us. But that would have opened our door for us as well to get more wickets, I think. Uh, Hania, go ahead. Um, I would just like to add to the whole batting scenario yesterday. It was it was very disappointing. And and mainly, again, like you, you spoke to me about mistakes, right? So again, like not knowing that Shadab could do better than Eftakar was a huge mistake in my opinion. And there, there has been a lot of discussion about middle order and all of that. And they're the ones who stepped up in this tournament in Australia. I mean, everyone was like 
threatened about the fact that we're going to be playing a World Cup in Australia. And, you know, everyone had expectations from Babur and Rizwan. But apart from that one game, I think it was the middle order who came up and took the responsibility. So I think, you know, I think you guys were speaking about changes as well. Um, I don't think so. Major changes are needed. But I think the concept of just, um, you know, switching things up a bit, not following the people so much and doing things where, what, what the situation needs, I think, will, will help Pakistan because chasing perfection in T20s is very difficult. Like, even uh, even if people say that Babar should step down, I don't think so. Anything uh, has to, anything is connected with Babar's captaincy in particular. Even if Shadab becomes the captain or even if Rizwan becomes the captain, you have the same team, you have the same coaching staff, you have the same data analysts. It's not something that is Babar's fault in particular. So I feel just a few changes here and there, and I think um, we're good to go maybe for the next for the next World Cup. Perfectly summed up, Honey. Before before we end, I was uh, <laughs> I should have written this down. I think I don't think we completed the part um, here. Uh, yeah, yes, Alina. Before, just I just wanted to say we we have not completed the Pakistan cricket bingo. We didn't use the word template or intent, or uh, you know uh, there were a few other words. Fahim Ashraf, all around ability. We did touch on it. Uh, Abdullah did start us off with the Kudrat ka Nizam, but we, or I think Sama did, but we didn't follow through with that. But yeah, we we've uh, sort of completed the bingo, but half of it is left. Anyways, Alina, she's please go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to add that I think the thought process behind this getting to a par score and letting a bowling do the defending thing has come uh, because we want to play to our strengths. Like team play to their strengths. England's batting is their strength. So they try to maximize on that. They go explosive there because that is their hand. Like they have Butler, they have Livingston, they have those people doing the job. Uh, so they try to maximize on that. They go explosive because they know if they, if they know if they're scoring 130, they cannot defend 130. But they know if they're giving themselves, backing themselves up to get to 180 or even 200, yeah, their bowling will manage something. But we know our bowling is exceptional. Our batting isn't. So we back our bowling to defend. And uh, we play to a strength, like, you know, get to a minimum floor. And then our bowling will do the job. So I think all the teams play to their strengths. And that is where this thought is coming from. That, yeah, our bowling is a strength. Our batting isn't. We, we do not naturally produce very explosive batters. Yeah, people will come through with time, obviously, with how the game is changing. Like we see youngsters building up their game, power game as well. But our strength has always been our bowling. And right now, our pace attack, everybody appreciates like it was basically the best bowling attack versus the best batting attack. So obviously, they play to their strengths, they let their batters to the main job go explosive. We cannot, we don't do that. That's why I think the conservatism comes because we think our bowling can do it and we just need a floor to do it. We don't, we think we don't need to necessarily go explosive and, you know, overachieve anything. And that's, that's, that's such a valid point. I just wanted to make one point. Uh, it was I was uh, just uh, checking this, and it was fascinating to me to look at. Was that I mean we keep saying that bowling is our strength and batting is not so much, but our um, and and the irony is that our uh, openers uh, have been number one, number two for the longest time, and none of our bowlers are in the top ten. So that's just the irony of it. I would say. Sorry, Abdullah, you wanted to add something. 
Yeah, I just wanted to add that uh, on the England point that they that they uh, focus on their batting because clearly that is their strength. That's very true, and I think it's also very important to look at the way that England structure their bowling, which is their weaker aspect. Like there's a lot that we can learn from that as well. So we maximize our bowling, they maximize their batting. They can do that. in almost any condition they can their batsmen can bat in most conditions similarly our bowlers can perform well in almost any conditions but with the batting and with england's bowling there are certain conditions and certain situations where they can struggle and england probably won the world cup because of their bowling at the end because they bowled with a very clear plan they understood pakistan's weaknesses they structured their bowling in a way that they can for the, the, like if we look at the way they bowled their fifth bowler they didn't have like a front line fifth bowler so they would use stokes for the first over the seventh over then they'd use him after a batsman got out or whenever they felt that there's a little bit of a lull so they can get in an extra over they used sam curran not a very stereotypical death bowler but they figured out a way to make him work by devising a plan by making him bowl shorter with the lo- with the long side boundaries uh, keeping all that in mind and understanding that it wasn't so difficult to hit him for big sixes on in the australian grounds so in the same way if we just structured our batting a little bit more intelligently then just imagine how much that that flaw that we set for ourselves it automatically just becomes a little bit higher just with a little bit of intelligence because like england england's bowling resources like from a talent point of view or from that perspective like if you gave them wasim junior they would develop him to probably be like the leader of their bowling attack just look at look at it from that perspective so just my point was just that the way that england uh, uh, covered their bowling weakness we can do the same with our batting it's just a matter of uh, just being a little bit more intelligent and thoughtful about it and really uh, the few strengths that you have in batting try to utilize them a bit better and then just to finish that thought off i think that's just the nature of 2020 like you know if if and is this a big if if england had lost i don't think anybody would have to like anybody on their fans or analyst over there would have been like hey how do we structure our bowling to be like pakistan's bowling but over here our batting is weak everybody wants to be like english batting but like you know tony rondi doesn't give that thing importance to bowling at all and i'm glad that you know we play the way that we do kind of like you know based on our strength which is bowling because i do want more teams to focus more on their bowling in 2020 because it's just a very glorious art brilliantly put guys sorry go ahead Jeez, I think yeah. it has a little bit to do with adapting to conditions as well. Like if you look at uh, conditions in Australia, I think on a surface level, the ones that would suit Pakistan more were Sydney, uh, because they're most sort of resemblance to what you'd expect bounce-wise in Karachi or in Lahore. And it's hardly a surprise that we played the best two games that we played across this World Cup were in Sydney. Right now, if Rambo just negotiated a little harder. after india had knocked up gotten knocked out and gotten that rescheduled to sydney maybe we'd be holding it but we'll leave that for another time that is brilliant okay before we leave guys uh briefly from each one of you uh, i would just want your moment of the world cup for me it was 
Harris his first six when he announced himself and everybody just saw that we have somebody nobody had not heard of. So anybody starting with Abdullah, what what was your uh, moment of the day of the World Cup? It's uh, that's a tough question. You put me on the spot. It's something that I've thought about, but I can't come up with a clear answer. I would have to actually go with the uh, the four that uh, Harris hit of Lockie Ferguson. I think that the skill required to hit that shot was just immense. And to do it at that situation when the match was starting to get a little bit stuck for Pakistan, that was just incredible. Excellent. Alvina. I have to think, like, I haven't thought about it, but I think Harris scoop shot. I think that showed his confidence. That stood out for me. And that's something I will remember him for forever. Agreed. Kani. Uh, it's a combination of two. Uh, one would be the uppercut that Shadab played to Anrik Nokia, uh, which was just one of those moments you savor for a long, long time. And the second one was the realization that we will be in the semifinals. That was the catch that Roloff Wendamurva took off David Miller. That was just uh, one of the best cricketing moments I've seen with my own eyes <laughs> in a long, long time. Which, which didn't include Pakistan. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, uh, Sama. Uh, for me, it was like right after the semi-final got finished and like the whole crowd, the atmosphere, the Dillard Pakistan being played in the background and the boys hugging each other. Like That like sums up the feels of Pakistan cricket like as a fan, the experience that you want to live for. So like that was like really special. Definitely. Okay. Uh, Hania. So Ali, go ahead. Um, it's very hard. I think Vandermeer of catch that Sydney Dil Dil Pakistan. But I think for me, it's the Harris Ralph wicket of Surya Kumar Yadav when he fell down in excitement and Shaheen Shah's um, clean walled up, not clean walled up, like Alex Hale's wicket. As a bowling I, was, I was surprised nobody had used that, maybe because we lost the final, but no. Agreed. Okay, Hani, are you ready with your moment? Yeah, I think for me it was with Shaheen Afidi's comeback in Jiren. Even though it was the warm-up game, but when he was bowling that first over, my heart was so happy. I was like, he's back, he's playing for us. And uh, even, yeah, I think even when he took his first wicket, that was, again, very overwhelming for me. And if I have to say like an overall thing, I think Barber's uh, innings against New Zealand. It was a very deja vu moment because he always does really well against New Zealand. So it has to be that. Brilliantly put, guys. Um, Sami had asked me earlier, I forgot in the intro to plug my YouTube show as well. It's not a podcast. It's a, a YouTube cricket-based show. We mostly uh, work on PSL-based things. But yeah, we do cover Pakistan cricket. So do check it out. It's called Relukatte. And we are a Relukatte in every sense of the word. But anyways, guys, it was my first experience uh, hosting a forum or a discussion like this. And I would say it was a lot more fun than I thought it would be. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it was uh, really a cathartic experience for uh, all of us, I would say. And uh, again, uh, let's hope that we don't need another cathartic experience. And the next time we are together, we are celebrating rather than consoling each other. Uh, on uh, on a whole, I think the, the World Cup was a great experience. A lot of highs, a lot of lows. And that's the joy of being a Pakistan cricket fan and this being the Pakistan cricket podcast I would say that's uh, that sums up the World Cup pretty well And but again thank you so much everybody for being here and it was uh, great listening to so many different point of views so many different 
experiences. And uh, again, we hope to see you guys again. And thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Before I finish, I just want to say thank you to Dikobe for letting me use his music. You can donate to my Patreon page if you would like to help me in continuing to do these podcasts. Links with information about the guests, the music, and the Patreon page can be found in the podcast description. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network.